Truth Revolution. Hey, welcome to Truth Revolution. This is where faith and reason meet. I'm Pastor Dave. That's Pastor Jeff. And we are from Revolution Church in Salina, Kansas. Welcome. Hey, thanks for joining us today. We are finishing part two of what we started last month, which was 36 questions from an atheist. I I love answering questions from atheists because they always ask them, and it seems like they think there's no answer. Right, but we know that there is. Actually, what really inspired me to do this show was I was reading the comments on this guy's YouTube channel. Yeah. And he said, you know, every time a Christian posts questions, atheists answer it, but I've never seen, or something like that, but I've never seen a Christian answer our atheist questions. Yeah, and maybe that's talking about to his satisfaction. I don't know. I think he meant that he hasn't even seen him try. Really? Yeah, at least that's the way it came across. But today we're going to try. Okay. Uh, We've done this before. Uh, We're doing it again. So these are... The 36th question. Now, we've already gone through number 18. Mm -hmm. So today, we're on number 19 out of 36. If you're wanting to hear the first part, you need to go to truthrevolution.tv and listen to that. Also, you need to get out to Revolution Church. We love Jesus. We love you. We love dressing however we want Mm -hmm. and worshiping our God without putting on pretense. So that's that's what we're about. Rebbe.church. But here we go. All right. Number 19. If your word is so inerrant, then how come all religious people seem to think all the other religious people are so wrong? <laughs> okay. And these are the questions that he would ask God. Right. So when he gets to God, he's going to say, if your word's so inerrant, why do all these religious people disagree? Now, actually, that's got to be the worst question he's asked so far. You think? The least compelling. Because it's a simple answer. If, if science is so true... Why do scientists disagree on what the data means? That's a good answer, actually. It's the same thing, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. Is the conclusion from that, well, I guess science, scientific data must be fake and false. No, the conclusion is because some, some of the scientists are wrong. Right. And so the question, if your word is inerrant, why do people disagree? It's because some of the people are wrong. Right. People disagreeing has nothing to do with the word being inerrant. <laughs> right. Okay. People interpret things, and then we have splinters and splits and stuff like that. And as long as we stick to, though, the, the uh, basic uh, concept of our salvation and Jesus dying on the cross, raised, being raised on the third day, and that he sits at the right hand of God, that he is God, um, then all the rest of it is, I mean, everything's debatable, Right. Yeah, so you'd be talking about what C.S. Lewis, uh, author, theologian, philosopher, would call mere Christianity. Right. Right, like the base level, this is the most important stuff. Right, amen. You know, I think, though, what Hemet is the atheist here is getting at is really not a question of inerrancy. He probably meant to ask a question of clarity. Like, if you really are God and your word is so true, why isn't it clearer than it is? Right. Like, he, I, th- I think he's really trying to ask why, why is it not clearer? And I think the answer would be a, a few different things to that is, first of all, just because something's true doesn't mean it's going to be simple, right? Uh, all, all scientists know this. I mean, people will talk about global warming. They'll talk about astrophysics. They'll talk about DNA results. Sometimes you can explain them in a simple way. But the reality of the matter goes much deeper. It's complicated stuff. Yeah. And if, if God is condescending to explain himself to us, 
this is going to be some complicated stuff that we're trying to figure out. And so it's not simple. It's not simple at all. Right. It's, it's It's boiling down an infinite being and his thoughts to fit into our brains and our ideas. Exactly. Which doesn't work very well. Then you add on top of that, when God wrote through scripture, he was giving one book or uh, one combination of books for all time, all people groups, and all languages. And so it's not like he jumps in every 20 years and goes, hey, since there's been a culture shift, right. let, me re- let me re-explain right. this. Uh, he gave this book, and it has to be uh, worded in such a way that it applies to everybody. Uh, so, th- I mean, that's a big deal. Right. And I, I think there's benefit in God coming down just a few times, giving a few books, you know, 66 books through those people, um, rather than jumping out every you know, 30 minutes or hour, because then we would probably be more falsely led away right. by people claiming to be him. Uh, there's other reasons, too, about his power and how if you were able to see him, you wouldn't be able to exercise your free will, and right. so he doesn't do that. But we're not going to get into all that. Should we go to the next one? Let's do it. All right, number 20 question he would ask God. If fetuses are innocent, shouldn't we be thanking abortion doctors for sending them to heaven? <laughs> Zing! This is actually easy. A lot of people think this is a a big, deep question. Again, I, this guy's obviously intelligent guy. He's well spoken, mm-hmm. yeah. but a lot of these questions are the, "Hey, man, uh, I'm a college junior, and it's like two in the morning, and I'm so tired. I got these awesome ideas. These are so deep, but like, if you just study." A little bit. You're going to know the answer. And the reason we don't kill fetuses, our goal in killing people is not to send them to hell. Like, if you were to follow his point, it would be, okay, why don't we just murder everybody then? Right. Right? Why don't we just kill everybody? Because if they're a Christian, they're going to heaven. So why don't you just kill every Christian we know? Uh, Why not just kill every baby before they have a chance to live or decide against following God? And, And the reason is because Genesis 127 God created mankind or humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So human life was created in the image of God. And this is what separates it from animal life. Okay, We don't have the right to take something that was created in the image of God and just throw it away as though it's disposable. This is why Christians are so particular on the abortion issue, on euthanasia. You know, why don't we just kill someone when they're in pain? Because they were a human being created in the image of God, deserving of our respect and care. Uh, This person represents a picture of God on earth. And so it's really something that we hold dearly. Every human life is sacred. Every single one of them. No matter how valuable you as a person of non-faith may think they are or are not. Just because someone has Down syndrome doesn't mean they're not valuable to us. Mm -hmm. They were creating the image of God. There was a chromosomal mix-up. That happens. Just because someone has a uh, arm cut off, just because someone struggles intellectually or emotionally, uh, just because a baby is unwanted. None of these reasons are reasons to say that someone wasn't created in the image of God and that they're not valuable. Amen. Every life is valuable. Man, that was an awesome answer. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. If I'm sick, should I pray to you or go see a doctor? All right, that was number 23. How about both? Well, wh- why, Dave? <laughs> Uh, Shouldn't God just heal me on demand? Well, he might if that's his will. 
But, I mean, that gets into a whole other question. But here's the thing. Um, God gave you a brain, right? I mean, I'm assuming. Yes. Okay? Now, as a human being, each of us have the ability to learn things, and we branch off into different fields of learning. Some people branch off into learning how to heal people. And I think that's God's will for us to be able to use things uh, of this earth to be able to help one another out. I don't think it's totally unbiblical for somebody to go to the doctor. Yeah, I agree. I mean, (laughs) even through scripture, you'll find Jesus or the apostles or other people giving practical advice. One time, God sent, uh, it was either Elijah or Elisha. I'm having trouble remembering. I think it was Elijah. Sent him on a mission. He ran and ran like for 40 days and nights and didn't eat. And he was hungry. And like God could have just been like, bing, miraculously healed him. But he didn't. God sent an angel Mm -hmm. to bring him food. To bring him food. It was like, so, you know, Hemet, the atheist, might, might have said, well, does God, you know, work miraculously in Elijah's life? Or does he just give him what he needs physically? Well, the answer is yes, both. It's not an either-or proposition. Right. Uh, can God heal you miraculously? Yes. Have I seen stuff like that? Yes. Right. But do I go to the doctor when I have a sinus infection? Yes. Yeah, and the whole thing, too, is like, does he not think that there are some doctors that pray? Because, I mean, there are doctors that do pray, and so yeah. doing both would be a good idea. I'd like him to think, I mean, some of these questions, you know, like, what, what is his point? So, I mean, are, are they just to be snarky or is he actually curious about this? Because going to a doctor or praying that God would heal you, like well, no matter what side you come on down, that come down on that isn't going to prove God's existence right. one way or the other. And that's the problem that a lot of these atheists have is with those kind of arguments, they're not disproving the existence of God. No, they're not. And they're not proving anything. They're not disproving anything. Mm-hmm. It's just a snarky question. Right. Uh, all right. Well, that was number 23. Let's, uh, the, oh, you know what? I actually had some notes would, on that, yeah. but, uh, no, I think, I think we nailed it. I mean, oh yeah. I, the only thing I would add is that I want to remind this guy of the long game, uh, because maybe his question is kind of getting to the heart of suffering. Mm-hmm. Like, why does God even allow people to get sick? Right. If you have to go to the doctor, maybe you don't believe that God's real. Maybe that's what you're thinking, which we would disagree with, right. but mm-hmm. you also have to think about the long game here. From the perspective of God and from the perspective of Christianity, this life is so short. My 12-day sinus infection, my 80-year life is so short compared to the eons and eons that will exist for all eternity. Um, So eternal life is at stake far more than a little suffering here on earth. And that's what God is more interested in. He wants to eliminate suffering for all time not just for a couple weeks. All right, now uh, let's go to number 25. Actually, 24. And if I should do both, well, which one would help me more? All right, so who would help you more, God or the doctor? Um, I think uh, God probably gave the doctor the knowledge. Without God, the doctor wouldn't be able to heal anybody. So in a roundabout way... Now, he would say that you're... You're not making a good argument there because from his perspective, he doesn't think God gave doctor, the doctor that knowledge. The doctor himself studied hard in school. The doctor True. himself, you know, practiced medicine. The doctor himself prescribed that medicine. True. So who would help you more, 
uh, even from the atheist point of view, okay, from well, obviously from an atheist point of view, who's going to help you more? The doctor's going to help yeah, you more than God. Mm-hmm. But from our point of view, uh, I would say it depends on the situation. That's who's going to help you more. Uh, are you talking about a bacterial sinus infection? Then uh, God could clear that out, but I usually don't pray for a miraculous healing when I have a sinus infection. I just go get some right. antibiotics. Yeah. But most miracles are done to bring praise to God's name or to confirm that a prophet is acting on behalf of God. So, you know, we, this is, this is really interesting. Okay. God, throughout scripture, he does miracles in the life of Jesus, Elijah and Elisha, Moses, and the apostles. Four periods in all of, okay, humans have been here for 200,000 years about. Right. He does miracles in the periods of four different guys' lives. Right. That's what the Bible records. You would read the Bible, and if you weren't paying attention, you would think there was just miracle all the time. Right. Everywhere are miracles. Yeah. Like the Bible covers uh, the entire history of mankind, but there's miracles all throughout it. But that's not the case. Right. The Bible just records miracles happening in those four places. Now, I do think God does some miracles, but uh, I would say those huge, big miracles are the exception, not the rule. He has set up a universe... And the way the universe works, uh, Clay Jones, who we've had a guest on here before uh, from Biola University, he, he points it out. The way the universe works is important because if God interrupts every time you get a sinus infection and he goes, oh, that's just going to go away. If God interrupts every time you shoot someone and he's like, oh, make it a rubber bullet. If God interrupts every time something bad happens, we live in a cartoon world right. that has no meaning. Yep. No, Yeah, we never learn anything. Right. And we have, it, well, it just has no meaning whether we learn or not. Right. Because your actions don't matter. It, it, I mean, it doesn't have to do with learning. It has to do with what you do. Does right. it make a difference? And the answer is no, it would make no difference. And so we don't live in a cartoon world. We live in the real world, and God's not going to intervene in every single situation. Right. Just because he doesn't intervene doesn't mean he doesn't exist. Amen. All right. Uh, we actually skipped number 22 on accidents. So okay. uh, here's number 20. Why won't you heal amputees? We, we actually did an entire show on this. Right. Do you remember that? Yes. That was, man, that was a couple of years ago. The answer is sometimes he does mm-hmm. heal amputees. But again, most miracles are limited to the four periods through the life of Jesus, Elijah, Elisha, Moses, and the apostles. Um, but you, uh, we'll, we'll put a link to that show. Yep. And you can go listen to the show about amputees. Um, yeah. All right. Number 25. Uh-huh. Oh boy, you know I I I won't disagree that there are some boring parts in the Bible. I mean, because like Leviticus and Numbers, I mean, it just takes a little bit of fortitude to get through. But everything together actually tells a story—the story of God's love for man and God and man's uh, inability to live up to God's standard, and God having to uh, take the bullet for us per se so that we could actually be in his presence uh, in eternity. Yeah, and actually, one of the things that is interesting about this question is it shows how different our culture was than the culture the Bible was written in. Mm-hmm. Because the culture the Bible was written in wasn't... Okay, let me start with ours, actually. Our culture is a... We are a fact-based, get to the point. Right. I've sworn an oath. I'm going to give a testimony and get off the court stand. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say more than I need to say. I'm not going to say less than I need to say. I'm just going to give it to you. Yeah. We even do synopses. We do conclusions that sum up everything we said in long paper right. so that if someone wants to skip the long paper, they can read the conclusion. Right. 
We have companies that put out four-minute books. So if you don't want to read the whole book, you can go to their website and buy the four-minute version. Really? You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Great. That's good information to have. Suddenly Dave's going to read a lot more books. <laughs> <laughs> so there, right? we like getting to the point. The Hebrew culture wasn't like that. They liked telling the story. And I actually think God likes telling the story. Mm-hmm. Jesus always communicated through parables, our stories, right? Relating the story of this person came and did this. And then this person bore this person. And this person did this. And here was this person's lineage. So you could see where they came from. This was all important to them. Every single bit of it. And then the parts that I think are really boring the uh, description of how the temple should be set up. And you're supposed to take a bronze basin and put it on this type of tower and decorate it with this type of decor and then hang a curtain this way. And it's supposed to be woven this deep and this long and this tall with this type of fabric. Like, I'm just like dying. Ah! But I went and did a talk uh, just around the country at one point. I was, um, my my co-speaker, his name was Tim, a uh, great guy. He actually, one of his lectures he included a section on why God puts that stuff in there. And he said it struck him one day as he's reading this boring section going, this is terrible. That it was, it was a life for someone else. He's reading about how to weave this fabric. And he's like, why is this in here? And for him, it was boring. But for the dude whose job it was to weave the fabric for the temple of God, that was very important. That was that dude's job. Mm -hmm. He wants to know how to handle God's temple appropriately I mean, for so what we think is boring was someone else's huge deal right. that they didn't want to let go of. That's awesome. And so they might actually look at us and be like, what is the matter with you? Right. Why would you think this is not a big deal? This was my whole life, mm-hmm. right? This was our whole culture. Their whole culture revolved around the temple. Their whole culture revolved around ancestry. And so the things that you think are boring and in need of editing were the things that they probably thought were the most interesting. Wow. The laws, the temple, the genealogy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. So now we... <laughs> Ronda, oh, jeez. Now we're on to number 26. Just, uh, if you got any children, just cover their ears for one second. Right. Why is your last name Dan... I... <laughs> That's <laughs> just being snarky. <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> Should we say... Should we say anything? I think I think the reason people say that is because they enjoy disrespecting God. Mm-hmm. That's human nature. Right. It is human nature to disrespect what is right. We're all sinners. Amen. All right, number twenty-seven. Now, now it's just getting really bad, snarky, and we don't believe that that Jesus was the only white guy in the Middle East. No, there was lots of wickedness. <laughs> oh, give me a break. No. no. Jesus was Middle Eastern descent. Jesus was Jewish. That's where he came from. He didn't have Jewish parents and then pop out as a white guy. Yes, of course, a lot of uh, paintings and pictures depict Jesus. And some movies, a lot of movies depict yeah. Jesus as being white with an English accent. Um, don't know why. But that's just the way it is. As you know, it's one of my pet peeves. It is. It drives me nuts. They got this white-haired, blue-eyed guy up there pretending to be Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. hello, home Jesus, follow me. <laughs> and you're like, nobody would follow you. You weren't white, didn't have blue eyes. Like, right. there's just so much wrong with that statement. But yeah, he does bring up an interesting cultural point. Okay. 
which is we tend to make Jesus in our own image. Ouch. That's actually very true. And we tend to make God in our own image. And one of the reasons people have questions like this is because they don't know scripture well enough to know who God really is. The next question is actually a perfect example of that. Um, let's let's listen. This is number twenty-seven. Was it hard for your son? Oh, no, sorry. This is number twenty-eight. What do you have against foreskin? Oh boy! It's <laughs> if you didn't know scripture well, it would seem like God has it out for foreskin. Um, <laughs> so, what is going on here? Why did God demand this um, circumcision of Israelites? Why was it such a big deal? Uh, you got to know a couple of things. First of all, let's start with the scientific data. Okay, evidence suggests that medical circumcision that we do nowadays is more severe. Okay, much more severe than the circumcision done by Jewish people three thousand years ago. So you can't confuse the two. All right, there. I mean, we're back then we were talking a little snip snip. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about a big snip snip. Right. That's. That's the vernacular we're going to use here. Okay, But uh, back then, when you're talking about the little snip snip in Genesis 17, God is talking. He says, all of you, Abraham and descendants, shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. All right. This is what you call a covenant agreement. This is not a religious rule. Okay. Now, it was turned into a religious rule. Mm-hmm. And people wanted to follow. But the reason, and you may not know this, Christians aren't uh, in, necessarily have to get circumcised to be Christians. If someone is uncircumcised and they become a Christian, they do not have to be circumcised. If they wanted to enter the Jewish covenant system, they had to be. <clears throat> but that was for Abraham and his descendants until Jesus came. It was God's promise to bless the Jewish people, to be with them, to aid them. And then they had something to show that they would give total dedication to God. Now, it's interesting in this total dedication was the process of circumcision. God's going to give you all these blessings. You're going to give a total dedication. You're going to prove that you're totally dedicated. The fascinating part to me is that in ancient Near Eastern culture, agreements like this were quite common. Really? So God was acting in a way that cultures would understood Absolutely. back then. Okay. What's funny is, that, you know, if you read back, if you read today, people are like, circumcision's so weird. Ah. But if you read ancient documents, nobody is like, circumcision's pretty weird. Why do the Israelites do that? Like, it, it made sense in the culture they lived in. And God often works in the culture that we live in. You know, someday God might look back at our church and be like, so they had a guy who talked in rhythm while music was playing in the background and that got they that made them feel emotions yeah. right a rapper right and they're like why would why would god have someone talk over music to try to change their emotions and we know it's music you know but mm-hmm. if that was something god did here he's working in our time and place in a way that another time and place might not understand totally right so we're just having a hard time understanding why god would do that but back then they didn't have a hard time understanding it it's good stuff Right, number 29. How do magnets work? Do you know? Uh, it's, yeah, it's through uh, electrical. I can't really explain it. Uh, they have a field. Uh, no, I don't know how they work. How do magnets work? 
Okay. Well, it's not going to give me an answer now. So sorry. Uh, we don't know the answer to that one. You're going to have to look <laughs> up tried. your local science. We're, we're theologians. Mm-hmm. And if we want to know the answer to that question, we would ask Google or one of our favorite science friends that we have on the show. All right. Here's a real question. How come your son supposedly died for my sins, but you brought him back to life? You went back on your word. Uh, no. He didn't go back on his word because he didn't undo the death of Jesus. He made him resurrect from the dead. Right. He didn't go back in time and cancel the death. He rose him from the dead. If you had a relative who died on the table in a doctor's office, a surgeon rushed in and saved him, has brought him back to life, you wouldn't say, wow, he didn't die. You know, <laughs> He didn't experience medical death. No, you'd be like, wow, you saved his life. Thank you. Right. And that sort of idea. Well, so you can't say he canceled it. But the question is, good question. Why did he die? And why did he rise from the dead? Well, Romans 5 says God shows or he demonstrates his own love for this, for us in this. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So the reason Christ died is to demonstrate his love. Mm-hmm. Right, scripture also says, greater love has no man than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Mm-hmm. Jesus wanted to show how much he loved us, and the, the best way to do that was to die for us. Amen. There really is no other way to show someone the extent of your love other than to die for them. That's, that's the biggest thing you can do. Now, rising to life isn't going back in your word. It's proving that Jesus had the authority to die and rise on his own all along. Jesus said this in John 10, 18. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. So this wasn't about God going back on his word. This was about, does Jesus have the authority to lay down his life? Does Jesus have the authority to raise from the dead? And if you believe like we do, that Jesus really did die and rise from the dead, it's important to note that Jesus himself had the authority to rise from the dead. He was the son of God. He wasn't just some dude with smart answers. That's awesome. You have to contend with the fact that Jesus did die and rise from the dead. You know, we have other shows. You can search the acronym F-E-A-T on our website to see some of the evidence why we, we think it's provable. All right, number 31. Why do you get all of the credit but none of the blame? Well, I mean, I think he gets plenty of blame. You think so? Yeah, but not from us. <laughs> <laughs> not from you and me? Right. I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that blame God for a lot of things, and you and I deal with that on a, on a regular basis where people want to blame God for taking somebody away from them. Yeah. Um, but from a Christian point of view, we live in a broken world, okay? And we did this to ourselves. Uh, at, the, at the very beginning with Adam and Eve, uh, they sinned. And through Adam and Eve, through, oh, through the one man, sin came into the world, okay, and totally screwed it up. And we've got to contend with that, right? And that's just the way it is. God doesn't take things from us. It says clearly in the Bible that the, the enemy, that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says that I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. You know, God yeah. gave us life and sin and death. Satan steals it from us. That's true, um, and I agree with that. If you back it up another level and look at it, though, you know, God did know he was going to create this world where we were going to suffer. So, like, right. does God bear any blame for that? And Scripture actually talks about we are clay in the hands of God, yes, absolutely. and the clay doesn't have the right to say to the potter, I don't like what you're doing to me. Right. So does God get the credit and the blame? Yeah, 
God's the one who designed this world. And he is God. I don't have the authority to say, God, I don't like what you're doing to me. I can tell him that I don't like it. I can ask him to change it. And I can make decisions because this is a real world that will affect how I handle it and whether or not I get out of my circumstances. Some of them are get outable. Get outable. Some of them are not get outable. Right. But the ones that are get outable, I can make decisions to get out of those and I can handle those in different ways. God's made it that way. Mm. Most of all, if I choose to put my faith in him, this very short period of time will go away and the long period of time, eternity, right. will take place. The long game, mm-hmm. big deal. Um, uh, well, that, well, that was number 31. Now we're on 32. Who broke your heart so badly that you have to take out your wrath on women? Okay, again, this isn't. This doesn't prove God doesn't exist. Right. Really, none of these questions would. This is just asking a question, um, and I'll just. I'm not sure exactly what this is referring to. Our denomination is egalitarian. Women can do anything. They can be preachers. Uh, so I'm not really sure what you mean. Some complementarian denominations limit what women can do. But even though it's not about God being mad at them, I mean, or sorry, even still, it's not about God being mad at them. It's just God designing men for certain functions and women for other functions. All right. Um, his next question is, why would you create a universe so vast? Um, we're going to answer that. We're going to answer why allergies here, why our bodies have a suit. I'm, you're going to find what this question is later. So anyway, we got four more questions that if you're listening to this on the radio, you're going to have to go to our website, truthrevolution.tv, and you're going to find the full show. You're going to hear the last four questions. Um, but if you're listening to the podcast or if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to get these in just one second. Dave, where should they go for Easter? They should come here to Revolution Church. Yeah, it is April. Easter is coming, at least when I'm recording this. Mm-hmm. If you listen to this outside of that time, still come to church at Revolution. But uh, if you're coming on Easter, or if you're going to be around on Easter, come Revolution Church. Check out our website, revo.church, for more information. And to hear the rest of this podcast, truthrevolution.tv. Truth Revolution. And we're back, like you said. Yes. Four more questions to answer. Boom. And we're going to hit these. Okay, so we just answered why does he get all the credit but none of the blame. Mm-hmm. Oh, now we're doing who broke your... Oh, we just answered who broke your heart so badly you took your wrath out on women. Yeah. Um, well, I do want to add something to that. Um, where inequality and injustice happen, it is at the cultural level, not the biblical level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? God doesn't hate women. When injustice happens, it's not the Bible saying be unjust to women. It is people choosing to do wrong. Now, some of those people have chosen to use the Bible out of context to try to do things wrong to different races, to different genders, to different uh, nations. But that's never been the intent of the Bible. It it doesn't take very long to read the Bible and understand that's not what the intent was. Right. Um, The Bible actually says that God is no respecter of persons. I mean, he loves each and every one of us the same, right? Yeah, he says there's no favoritism between right. the Jew or the non-Jew. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, why wouldn't that extend to other ways? Yeah. So God loves every one of us. All right, number 33. Why would you create such a vast universe and then only inhabit one planet? I'm going to bounce you guys to reasons.org. This is Reasons to Believe. Yeah. A lot of times we have them on our show uh, these are great scientists, astronomers, molecular biologists. Yeah. Um, they say there's 200 to 400 billion stars in our galaxy alone. 
and another hundred billion trillion or maybe a trillion trillion stars in the observable universe. Right. Maybe more outside of that. Um, these numbers alone seem ridiculously huge. Yet stars together with galaxies, gas clouds, planets, and burnt out extinct stars account for 0.27 of the cosmic stuff in the universe. Darkness represents the remaining 99.73%. It's no wonder then that skeptics question why an all-powerful God would do this. Why is there so much space? Mm -hmm. And uh, in the book, Why the Universe Was the Way It Was, Hugh Ross says it this way. (laughs) He's so good, dude. I just love this. The amount of cosmic mass must be extraordinarily fine-tuned. One part in 10 to the 60th power. One part in 10 to the 60th power. That's 60 zeros. You ever heard of like one part per million? Mm -hmm. This is one part per 10 to the 60th. Yeah. Okay. That is how much mass must be extraordinarily fine-tuned for life to exist. The amount of cosmic mass. In fact, he says, the degree of fine-tuning is so great that it's as if the right It's as if right after the universe is beginning, someone could have destroyed the possibility of life within it by by subtracting a single dime's mass. Yikes. One reason is that mass impacts the expansion rate, which also must be highly fine-tuned for life to be possible. You're going to have to read the book to understand why that is true, but if it's the big... Okay, so there's all this space and all this mass. The universe is bazooka huge. Right. Bazooka huge. Right. But well, it's bigger than at the beginning, if you would have just taken a dime's worth of mass out of that, life probably would not have evolved to or come about the way it is. Right. So, and that's, that begs the question further. Um, so uh, if, what does he want? Does he want the universe to be jam packed full of stuff? Like <laughs> where, where do you, where do you draw the line? Yeah. You know, yeah. is it going to be like, do, do we want to be jam packed with so much mass that you and I have like, um, like a ton of stuff between us that we can't even reach each other. You know, I mean, I mean, where do you draw the line at? Yeah, <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. That wouldn't be very um, palatable for life either. Right. That, I mean, that just wouldn't happen. So, uh, the, the great stuff there. We're going to link to that article. There's more information in there. All right, number thirty-four. Why are so many people allergic to so many of your creations? It's a good question. I'm Allergy currently, well, I'm currently on med- allergy medication yeah, and asthma medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suffer every day as a result of this. Like I actually went, took my boys to Royals game, Kansas City Royals yesterday, sat outside for a few hours. I was all, all kinds of medicine, but man, I got home that night. I'm just like, Oh, I woke up in the middle of the night. feeling like I was going to throw up. Like it was, it's bad sometimes. Right. Yeah, um, you still believe in God? Yeah, I still believe in God. Hmm. Because it's almost like that has no effect on whether God exists or not. It doesn't have any effect on whether God <laughs> exists or not. But why would he do that? Right. You know, I've asked him that before. God, please heal me from my asthma allergies. He hasn't done it yet. Yeah. Uh, but why would God do that? It's just, part, again, it goes back to the cartoon world or not. Right. We live in a world, God has exquisitely designed our bodies to have great systems inside there to fight infection to fight intruders, and really what allergies and asthma is, is your body reacting to a lack of intruders. Did you know that in third world countries, allergies, 
sometimes don't exist. They aren't nearly as severe as they are in countries like the United States. Interesting. Because our bodies were not meant to sit in air-conditioned cubicles all day with air filters. We are meant to be in the dirt, walking around outside. What have we done? (laughs) And it's, yeah, I mean, we designed this first world country. And as a result of that, the bodies that God designed us to have don't work quite as right. Right. I mean, he's kind of like asking the same question as like, why, when I put a gun to my head, would you design a system that would make me die? Right. Well, it's the systems we've designed, the worlds we live in. It's not God's design fault. And again, I think it's a boundary issue because, I mean, where do you draw that line? You know, okay, so take away the allergies. And then again, take away the, the ability to self-harm. And then take, the, take away the, the problems that we, uh, why do we have limitations on how much information we can hold in our brains? Well, why do we have a limitation on life? Why can't we just live forever? Why can't we just know everything? You know, where do you draw the line at? Exactly. You, if, that, if allergies weren't the question, if God healed all that, he would have asked a different question. Right. Yeah, and you make a good point. It never ends. Mm-hmm. So, all right, uh, number 35. And again, if you have a kid, you might want to turn it down for this question. How come our bodies have a sewage system next to an amusement park? I mean, that's just bad design. <laughs> because his idea of a, an amusement park wasn't necessarily the point, you know. I mean, say that again. I, I mean, why would it's not an amusement park? I mean, in my estimation, you know, it's there are things that um, I mean, we produce, we reproduce, and it's pleasurable, yes, but. It, when I think of amusement park, it just, to me, just sounds like going overboard with the whole party thing, and I'm just going to do what I want and be with who I want and stuff like that, and that's not how we're made. No, I, I think... that's not why we're made. I think basically what you're saying is if we use our bodies in the way God intended, this isn't going to be an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you have some serious medical issue. So that that to us is kind of a non-point. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't doesn't matter. Hey, back to the allergy thing. I forgot I had this awesome quote from a doctor I wanted to give. Okay. This is Dr. Medstov. Allergies are not simply a biological blunder. Instead, they're an essential defense against noxious chemicals, a defense that has served our ancestors for tens of millions of years and continues to do so today. That's, an, as far as I know, that's an evolutionary believing doctor. Yeah. And he believes uh, allergies are good design. Imagine that. So you can't then look at God and say bad design. Right. Because even they believe our bodies were designed to work that way. Just because we've created an environment in the last 100 years that is entirely different than humanity's ever had before doesn't mean that God's a bad designer. All right, number 36. How come science keeps proving you wrong? Okay, so science keeps proving God wrong. Mm. Mm. Brains, my friend... I don't think science keeps proving God wrong. In fact, brains are hardwired to believe in God. Did you know that? Scientists found that out. Brains are hardwired to believe in God. Science hasn't proved God wrong. Science has proved that you should believe in God. Science has proved the Big Bang, uh, which initially was rejected because it was too theological. Scientists didn't want to believe there was a beginning to the universe. Um, Or when the archaeological science proved that Quirinius was the governor of Syria in 7 BC, just like the Bible said, or thousands of other examples of where science and scripture line up. Right. 
There's no science disproving the Bible. Maybe you could have given us a specific example, but I can't think of any. Right. And to even go back on that even further, um, science was actually uh, started by people who believe in God so that they could discover more about God and who God is and get closer to God through finding out what is this creation that you have made? That's right. Newton, Kepler, Galileo, guys like that actually considered themselves theologians first. Right. A scientist was like a subcategory of theologian because they were studying what we call general revelation. Mm-hmm. Right? Special revelation is the Bible, God speaking to us in a special way. General revelation is God speaking to us through nature and through the world. And they wanted to understand the mind of God by understanding the world. Amen. All right, thanks for listening to Truth Revolution. Come on out to church on Easter. We got three service times for you. Revo.church, that's R-E-V-O dot church. You want to get there. And you get to truthrevolution.tv anytime to listen to past shows. Have a great week and God bless.